COVID-19. We're facing this together, and we're going to need each other in order for us to move forward collectively. Our goal at Your New Mexico Government is to give you information that helps, because we're all in this together. I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. You want to share your experience with us? Well, we have a hotline, and we'll play your messages on our show. Call 505-218-7084 or email us at yournmgov at gmail.com. Each podcast is going to focus on a different aspect of this, and today we're talking about seniors. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says adults older than 65 are at higher risk for severe illness. That's what's on deck for today. But first, here's a quick rundown of what we know today, Monday, March 23rd, as of 5 p.m. This is your New Mexico government. I'm Marisa DeMarco. For the first time since the virus came to the United States, the national death toll for a single day topped 100 on Monday, according to The Washington Post. And more than 100 million people in the U.S. are under orders to stay home by their governors. Partisan fights in Congress stalled a financial relief package. The U.S. Surgeon General warned that things are going to get bad this week. On Monday afternoon, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham ordered residents to stay home and to go out only when they can't avoid it. She specified that people can still go outside for fresh air to take a walk or go for a run, but not to gather in groups of more than five. If this spreads uncontrollably, it is going to spread. We do have community contact. If we don't limit it, then who's going to stock your grocery stores? Who's going to be in the emergency room? Who's going to provide childcare to first responders like firefighters and police officers? Who's going to respond to your neighborhood if there's a fire? So if we don't protect the very people who we need for our everyday services, then they're not able to provide those essential services to you. The governor also ordered all non-essential businesses to close. Roads are still open, and so is public transit. These orders take effect at 8 a.m. on Tuesday, March 24th. There are possible civil and criminal penalties for businesses or individuals who ignore the orders. You should expect that if an officer is in your vicinity and you are violating this order, you should expect a harsh reminder and you should expect that it is possible that you could get a citation. This is not what we want to have happen. We want people to follow these instructions, but it's in the order because we are prepared to enforce it where necessary. Luhan Grisham said there will almost certainly be a special legislative session this year to shore up the state's economy. She said it's likely that schools will remain closed after April 6th. And along with the federal government, the state is trying to figure out waivers, graduation and distance learning. As of Monday evening, 83 cases of COVID were confirmed in New Mexico. Nine of those folks required hospitalization, according to the governor, and five were still in the hospital. Many cases were travel-related, but there has been community spread, according to state officials, who also say there have been no deaths from the illness so far in New Mexico. New Mexico had processed about 5,400 COVID tests as of Sunday, according to Lujan Grisham, averaging around 850 per day. She said the state could handle thousands per day with additional supplies and approval. For your New Mexico government, I'm Marisa DeMarco. 
All right, we are breaking down each episode with a theme as there are many issues to cover. Each one gets its own special little title. Today's title, Call Your Parents. It's well documented that the older population is the most at risk for the virus, yet some of them are resisting sticking to self-isolation advice while others are very frightened. I thought it would be prudent if I talked to my parents about what they and other seniors they know are experiencing. There's my mom, Olufemi Ekolona. She lives in a building for seniors in Indiana. It's really, really fresh. They converted an old elementary school into nice pads. Everyone who lives there is at least 60. I wonder what they're going through. And my father, Ademola Ekolona, he lives in Baltimore, Maryland. He works for Cedar sinai in a rehabilitative program. He's a hard worker. Sometimes he works too hard. Let's see how my folks are dealing with all of this. My name is Ola Ekulona, and I live in Greencastle, Indiana, which is about 50 miles from Indianapolis. Um, my name is Ademola Ekulona. I live in West Baltimore in the Forest Park neighborhood, and um, I work at Sinai Hospital. It's a level two trauma center hospital in Baltimore, and uh, I run a community violence, uh, street violence, hospital-based violence intervention program that when uh, people get shot, stabbed, or assaulted we and are treated at the hospital, we approach them and offer them social services so that hopefully they don't get re-injured and they don't retaliate. So there you have it. My dad is still working very hard. I told you so. And my mom is very happily retired. I wanted to ask them both how they are self-isolating and how this general thing is affecting them. Well, you know, I, I'm trying to go by the guidelines. You know, I... Um, I, I make sure that I wash my hands. Um, when I go out, a lot of times I will wear gloves, you know, uh, disposable gloves. And uh, and I use sanitizer and everything. And I just try, I really do try to stay to myself, you know, try to find something interesting to do in the house and and not go out very much. Well, I mean, I, I I think it's reasonable, and um, I don't find anything that I object to, and neither do I find it hard to comply. You know, I'm not anxious to go out and make any confrontations with the police. It's a virus that needs to be controlled, and it's going to take coordinated effort to do it. So I don't, I'm not hassled. I'm not tremendously hassled. I don't like having to work at home. And I don't like the fact that we're really only providing limited services for our patients or the clients. But there's nothing else we can do at this point. So, Are people expressing to you how they feel? Is there anyone anxious? Is there anyone really not taking this seriously? Yeah, and and, and that's what they were concerned. And you see the governor hadn't put out what they call a shelter uh, in place. He hadn't put out like a mandate of what we should do. Mm. And and people were very concerned about that, but he did a couple of hours ago. Okay. He did put out a mandate, so he closed all the restaurants. And uh, the only thing that's really open allowed to be open are like the drugstores, the banks, the grocery stores. And so people are are more hopeful now, but they, they were concerned because he hadn't put out anything. I was concerned about how seriously people in the hood would take it. 
last week I, I was very concerned because a lot of the young people were acting as like it. They they sounded like they had listened to President Trump that it wasn't any big deal and it was a uh, a big state conspiracy, a hoax, you know. And you tell him, you know, it's not a hoax, you know, because it, the scientists and the doctors, they're telling you it's something to take seriously. And it looks like people are taking it seriously because they're not people who are hanging out where they usually hang out. Now, are you sticking to the measures that we put together, like Lysoling, your keys, your doorknobs, everything, when you leave the house and when you come back into the house? Are you sticking up with all yes, those? Yes, I am. You know, and, and it was very interesting because... And I'm so grateful for you because I hadn't thought about my keys, you know, yeah. and that's very important. But I'm sticking to everything that you called me with, too, you know, and that helped me an awful lot because some of the things I wasn't doing, you know. Yes. And we want to make sure that you're doing all right. And that's why I'm your favorite child. That's exactly right. My favorite child. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now. Now, you, you were pretty active. You would go swimming at the university pool. You would also, yes. you know, use the exercise bike down in the community room. What are you doing right. to stay active since you can't really go outside? And obviously the pool is not of use right now. Well, no, because the university, DePaul University is in Greencastle and it's completely shut down. So, no, we can't. I can't go swimming. And we do have an exercise room. It just has a recumbent bike in there. And I was using that, but I decided to be on the safe side, not to use it. So what I do, Greencastle is not a large town, and there are not a lot of people out. So I will go and walk. Okay. You know, I walk. And and then also in the house, um, your sister suggested this, and I do this. I, I dance. Okay. I'll dance for about a half an hour, and that helps me, too. You know, it keep, keeps me going. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I like that yeah. a lot. That's got to be a lot of fun. You just put on your headphones and jam out to some tunes? That's right. That's right. All the music that I like, and it makes me feel like I'm a teenager again. There you go. There you go. And it might be something that I will constantly do, even when everything gets back to normal. That's the phrase right there. Get back to normal. I don't know if there's a normal to get back to. I asked my dad to see what he thought. No, I don't think we can because we will have awareness that dangerous things happen. And that as everybody, you know, we may have to resort to not shelter in place, but, you know, stay home. And I, I think people. Yeah, they're going to adjust because, frankly, even though I work in a field where I see a whole lot of trauma and tragedy, I am very, very encouraged by the younger generations that are not, they don't seem to have their heads as pie in the sky like hippies back in the 60s and 70s, what we were doing. But there's almost like a cynicism that allows them to cooperate with things like the government's orders to stay at home, but also turn it into fun. You know, people are playing games with one another and singing songs with one another online and over the phone and stuff like that, which is great because I, I don't think that that is hopeless. I don't think that the younger people are going to have as hard a time adjusting to a more restricted world that we would, you know, my generation, we, you know, nobody can tell us 
to be unfree anywhere. But these younger people, they're going to define the freedom in a way that allows them to do what they want to do, probably safely. Before I got off the line with my parents, I wanted to get some wisdom from them. What can we all, as human beings, what can we learn from this experience that we're going through collectively? And this is what they had. You know, you're my mother, and you're wonderful, and you always have words of wisdom. Are there words of wisdom about this entire ordeal that you'd like to express to people who are listening? Well, all I can say is that uh, we have to hope that other people do as they're supposed to do. You know, because some people aren't, you've got a problem with some people going out and and they shouldn't be out, you know? So all we can do is hope that they get a little bit more serious about it and pray and pray to God or pray to whoever that you believe in that this this will pass, you know, and that we will stay together as human beings to see this through and to be able to help other people that this is really hitting very hard like the sick yeah Yeah. and yeah and that's 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 about it we just have to we have to be together on this and and we have to do our part not to spread this i just say pray to god i i just i'm very i'm there, there are more, more educated, and more sophisticated young people today than ever, and they are not looking to revolt as much as they're looking for authenticity. And it just so happens that the people in control, authenticity to them is something that you have to pay for. But um, you know, these young people, it's just, it's just going to be interesting. I think to see how they do when they turn 40. And right on cue, my mother speaks to embracing our humanity as my father expresses his confidence in the younger generations. By the way, FYI, my father considers Generation Xers to still be kids. So we have that there. What have I learned? Well, I've learned that we have to stay prudent and on top of our parents. You have to communicate with them. You have to make sure that they're following routines because it's very, very important. I've got five siblings. We're all doing our part, yet we still get points of confusion like today when I talked to my father about hey dad are you washing your clothes after you come home get this every day you have to wash your clothes I'm not saying you have to do it every day I mean that's was the suggestion but some people can't that's untenable for some folks so what I'm saying is say you want to do your laundry once a week or once every two weeks the clothes that you wear out wrap those oh, up yeah, in a plastic bag I don't do bag. it anymore I take it to the wash and fold I'm not going to wash well, clothes the, the wash and fold might not be oh. open that's all I'm saying Oh, well, they'll have to wait. I'll wait till they're open. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to wash clothes. <laughs> so, you know. I hear you. I hear that, you. I have no idea that you're supposed to. And wiping down, if I'm the only one coming in here, why should I wipe stuff down? Because you were outside and you don't know what you've touched that other people may have touched. It's just a way to sanitize your place once you come in because you are the soiled element enter, entering the sanitized, clean, sterilized environment. Well, I'm not sure about this was a clean, sanitized environment first. But I'm, well, I'll try to remember some of those things. Uh, Well, I'll keep calling you to remind you. 
I'm sure. Thank you very much, son. I love you very much. I love you too, Father. That's why I'm your favorite kid. Thank you again. For, that's right. That's right. <laughs> thank you again for being a part of this. I really appreciate it, Baba. Take care of yourself, okay? All right, you too. All right. Some blessings. I love you very much, and I will call you later to make sure that you're sticking with your regiment. And as I hear new things, I'll be sure to call you and let you know. Well, thank you, and I'm so extremely proud of you, Khalil. Thank you, Mommy. Thank you so much. I love you. All right, I love you too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Call your parents, 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 call your parents. It's very important in these days that you make sure your parents are doing all right. In a time for confusion for many people, some scammers are looking to take advantage of those who are worried. From offering fake COVID-19 tests to fake COVID-19 cures, predators are out and it's time to be vigilant. My guest, Karen Myers, with the Consumer Financial Protection Initiative, is here to talk about some of the scams running around New Mexico and how to spot them. Karen, thanks for being with me today. I'm glad to be here. So tell me, what's happening with this latest phishing scam and how does it work? Well, phishing scams basically work the same way. Someone may call you on the phone and tell you that they're with the government or they're with someone who can help you with the COVID-19 virus and ask you for personal information. They may ask for your social security number. They may tell you that they can send you something that will help you and then ask for a bank account number or a credit card number. What they're trying to do is it seems fish for your personal information. Got you. One of the things that happens with any scam is they prey on fear. They prey on a feeling that you have to act immediately. And so when they do that, when we are under a pandemic like this, it is particularly important not to provide that information. I understand that, like you said, during pandemics and and fearful times, people will react and become nervous and kind of take any phone call in order to protect themselves, but it may actually be hurting them. Now, the question I have is, how can people be sure whether they're talking to somebody legit or they're talking to a scammer? The best thing to do is to hang up the phone and not answer the call. If you have a question for the city of Albuquerque, for example, call 311. If you have a question about COVID-19, you should call a recognized government phone number by going through Google, getting the number for the U.S. government COVID-19 hotline and call them directly. What happens unfortunately, is scammers have the ability now to mask the phone numbers on your caller ID. They can use fraudulent information to make it look like someone from the federal government is calling you or from someone from the city of Albuquerque is calling you. Mm -hmm. And you believe that when you answer the phone. So you can't trust your caller ID. The best way to be safe is for you to initiate the call to a verified, recognized, trustworthy contact, either by email or by phone that you can rely on is accurate. Okay. Okay. Now, are these scammers and fishers, are they preying on a particular population? I don't know at this point. I would assume that pretty much everybody is being targeted. Typically, a lot of people who are targeted are seniors 
but also young people, young adults are targeted often because they're so comfortable on social media that they'll immediately click on something or go to a website and not check out whether or not it's a legitimate website. So young adults are also at risk. Right now, probably everybody who's using social media or answering their phone and believing what they're being told could be at risk for this. I also understand that people have experienced the New Mexico Attorney General's office has indicated that people are experiencing people going door to door and telling them that they're sent by the government to test their homes for COVID virus. Do not let anyone in who comes to you like that. They are scammers. Is this one of the newer scams out there? What are some of the scams people can identify? We have the phone scam and now we have this door-to-door canvassing scam. What else is out there that we should be aware of? Well, there's some emails going out that say they're from the Centers for Disease Control from the CDC. They could identify themselves as expert and offer to sell you vaccines or things that will help you get better fast. There is a report that on TV, a televangelist was selling fake coronavirus cures using a silver-based product, Mm. which has been shown to be worthless. Mm. He has been sued. There's other information from healthcare providers about hotline scams saying that the caller is impersonating a representative from what they say is the COVID-19 hotline or some other medical entity. And they're asking for your social security number in order to get your test results. So it's coming at people in a variety of different ways. There also may be online offers for vaccinations that you may get while you're searching online for information. There also may be charity scams, fraudulent scams who are saying they're collecting to help people. And so we're recommending there's a lot of information on the Albuquerque City website. If you go to CABQ slash scams, S-C-A-M-S. You can find information on a variety of different scams and how to identify them and how to avoid them. Okay. We're going to make sure because at times like this, when people are in desperate need, we have opportunists who are going to look to take advantage. It's time for all of us to be very, very prudent about how we move forward. Can I make one other comment? Sure. If you think you have been a victim of a scam, there are things you can do if you act immediately. If you've sent somebody uh, your personal information, you could then you need to protect yourself against identity theft. If you provided um, a credit card number, there are steps on our website that tell you exactly what to do if you've given out that information or sent money. The other thing is please have people report scams to the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, because they're in a position where they can then take action when they have information about who's perpetrating these scams. And that's FTC.gov. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to do that and we're going to pay attention to this and protect everyone that we possibly can. I want to thank you so much. She's Karen Myers from the Albuquerque Joint Information Center Consumer Financial Protection Initiative. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you and be safe. You as well. 
in the final portion of your New Mexico government, we want to talk to some of the officials who are responsible for the response to the epidemic. What is New Mexico doing to care for our seniors? Cabinet Secretary for Aging and Long-Term Services Department, Katrina Hotram-Lopez, joins the show. Secretary Hotram-Lopez, thank you so much for being with me. Oh, thank you for having me on. So I need to ask you straight up, what should we all be talking to our family members about? Because earlier in this podcast, I called my parents. Now, one lives in Baltimore, one lives in Indiana. But I think no matter where your parents live, we're all generally having the same conversation with them. So what should we be asking them? Well, we should be asking our parents, do you have enough food in your home? Especially if you're, you're far away from them, you need to be asking, is there a neighbor or anybody else that can help you? Mm-hmm. And are you safe? Right. And the final thing that it's not a question, it's a statement. It's stay home and wash your hands. Yes. Stay home and wash your hands. I actually put my parents on a certain regimen. I have them take certain procedures when they leave the house and take certain procedures as soon as they come back into the house. They'll both be 74 by the end of the year. And my mom is adhering to them pretty well, but my father is having a little bit of difficulty. He's a healthy person. He doesn't like to feel vulnerable. And, you know, both of my parents like to stay active. How can we work on them with these things when they're a little bit, I'm not going to call it stubborn. I'm just going to say they're ardently living. How can we help them if they're in that situation? Well, certainly, I mean, I know that this virus really attacks individuals who have compromised immune systems and then also the elderly. But this is not an aging issue. This is really about having the virus and carrying it and carrying it on. And so your family members who are definitely active and otherwise healthy, this shouldn't be about an age issue. It should be that we don't want them to be carriers to pass it on for somebody that's more vulnerable. And there are people that are stuck in their home that are more vulnerable. But this virus lasts for, you know, around 14 days. And we want to make sure that we, A, are not carriers, which is another reason to wash your hands and use hand sanitizer and stay at home and social distance. But also, you know, since the virus stays along for a long period of time, things that we touch that leave our home, it still could be live, which is the important reason why you really want to wash your hands. Yes. And stay on top of that. So question, is the Department of Aging and Long-Term Services doing anything to help independent living facilities or assisted living facilities? We certainly are, as well as nursing homes. And um, one of the things, when you're in an assisted living or a nursing facility, you definitely could be compromised. And so we know that we have been partnering with the Department of Health and the feds and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid who want to and have imposed restrictions on anybody coming into nursing facilities. We know that family members get really worried about their care of their loved ones. And so we have purchased about 350 tablets so that individuals in assisted livings and nursing homes can continue to visit virtually with their family members. We are making sure that they are safe in terms of making sure that the visitation has been limited and making sure that we're still available for resolution of ombudsman issues or complaint resolution. And so the Department of Health has also gone out and done infection control checks and made sure everybody has a good policy in place because we really want to keep people safe. 
Yes, yes. You all are doing a great job and a hard job. So let me ask you, what's weighing heavy on your mind in regard to resources? What do you want to make sure New Mexico seniors don't run out of? I want to make sure that they still have their prescriptions and they still have everything that is necessary, not necessarily luxury, but necessary in order to live. I mean, we have about 16,000 seniors within our own network, and that's not seniors across the state as a whole, but the ones that access our service that we know are raising grandchildren. And so those individuals, the majority of them are not well off and that they are really pinching pennies in order to survive. And what worries me is whether or not we're getting out there and we're serving not only that senior and making it easier for them, but also to the children living in that household. And I think we're getting better at it, but it really concerns me. The other piece is medication and another piece is food. So sometimes seniors don't necessarily want to tell us that they've got people in the household, adults or children living in the household that are also dependent on food and social security checks from that senior. And so we want seniors to be very open with us about how many people are relying on them in order to provide food for so that everyone receives what they need during this critical time. What do you think? think some of the reasons are why seniors aren't being so forthcoming with information that would obviously help them as far as getting resources, the resources that they and their families need. In New Mexico, we've got a variety of individuals who, you know, are very, very family oriented and very proud about their family. And sometimes we don't ask for help. And in this time of need, we need to rely on each other and ask for that help. And sometimes that's really hard for seniors because they have cared for their entire family for so long. And at this point, we want to make sure that we're serving everyone so that no one goes without. Okay. Okay. Now, in serving everyone, you talk about the seniors and the family element, and a lot of medical providers work with families, not just the senior, not just the kids, but also the grandkids and the entire families and networks. What about medical providers who are primarily treating these older folks and the families? What extra precautions are being taken there? Does the department have guidance for them? Oh, certainly. So we um, have been working with the managed care organizations, along with Health and Human Services Department and the Department of Health. We are increasing the capacity to do telehealth visits. So that means a virtual visit. Almost everyone in this day and age has a household member that has a smartphone. And so we're able to do more capability there. We're able to work with Walgreens and other pharmacies in order to get prescriptions and prescriptions ready so that they can be delivered to our seniors and so that seniors can stay safe in the home. Now, if somebody believes that they have the coronavirus, we want them to not go into that doctor's office. We want them to call the Department of Health hotline and be able to report that so that they can have instruction of what to do next. That is definitely something that we're going to reiterate here on this show many times over. And talking about this outbreak and this pandemic, you know, a lot of states are mobilizing and doing different things. There seems to be a lack of leadership coming from the federal government. So states and governors and agencies are taking it into their own hands to lead the charge in protecting their constituents. Is there anything different in New Mexico's response on this issue as opposed to the rest of the country? Yes, we have been fortunate to be led here in New Mexico by Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham, who is the former secretary, not only of the Aging and Long-Term Services Department, but in this case, 
in this particular case, more importantly, the Department of Health in New Mexico. So she understands what a pandemic is and how to respond to that. So the first thing that we did or she did was call public health order before we had mass people that were testing positive for this virus. So that was one big thing that we're trying to get ahead of it. Secondly, she called the social distancing order well before other states have done this. And third, now that we're picking up on some of these numbers, you've got to remember that we are actually doing the best in the country in terms of testing folks to make sure that we contain this virus within the boundaries. And so she's done a phenomenal job at getting ahead of this. And if we continue to follow her orders, we are really trying to flatten that curve and we have a chance of doing it. We're all very, very grateful for the work that the governor and you and others are doing. Now, tell me what's on your mind moving forward from today. What is next for us as a state? For this pandemic, I mean, it's really making sure that we get food out to everyone in need and we are mobilizing our troops. We've actually started delivering some food today and we have a hundred more that we're delivering tomorrow. By the end of this week, we will have pounds of food, meaning that if a senior gets a box of food, it's going to last them for 31 days. And I think that that in New Mexico brings comfort and peace to understanding that that it's not the government that wants to help, but it's people around them that will come together and make sure that food is delivered and that people are getting served and that we are doing right by the people in the state of New Mexico. That's what we should be doing. How can people help? Is there a hotline they can go to? Should they go to your website? How can they help? go to our website and there's a place where if you want to volunteer, you can actually just submit an email and say, you know, uh, ready to volunteer. And so we've been screening a lot of the applications because we're looking for them statewide. We do typically a real quick background check because if you go and deliver food to somebody's doorstep, not in their home, um, we want to make sure that our seniors are safe. And, you know, we just continue to encourage those donations to come in because we have many seniors and family members, especially in the frontier and rural areas who are in dire need of continued stabilization. And it's about helping each other out in times like this. She's the Cabinet Secretary for Aging and Long-Term Services. Katrina Hotram-Lopez, thank you so much for being with me and be well. Take care of yourself as well. Thank you. Thank you. All right, for more information about the resources we heard about today, go to cabq.gov slash scams to find out if who you're talking to about COVID-19 is legit. And if you think you've given out info or money and you think it may have been a scam, well, that same website will tell you what to do. Then you can report it to ftc.gov. And make sure our seniors are getting the help they need. To see how you can help or get more info, go to bit.ly slash COVID help for seniors to find a full list of the resources we talk about on each episode and opportunities to donate or help online. Just head to bit.ly slash YNMG hub. And how are things going for you amongst all this? We want to hear about it. Call us up 505-218-7084 and we'll play your messages on our show. Or email us at yournewmexicogovernment at gmail.com. That's yournmgov at gmail.com. Tomorrow's episode, closed for COVID. Service industry workers have time to do all the side work in the world as many of their employers have decided to either cut hours or close up shop. 
and some fear they may not reopen. On the next Your New Mexico Government, I talk with service industry workers about what's on their mind. Your New Mexico Government is executive produced by Marisa DeMarco. It's produced by yours truly. News update by Marisa DeMarco. Music by Pope Yes, Yes, Y'all. Your New Mexico Government is a collaboration between KUNM, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our coverage is provided in part by the Thornburg Foundation and the New Mexico Local News Fund. You can find this show on KUNM.org or subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone here at YNMG, I'm Khalil A. Colonna. Thanks for listening.